Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast of the teaching at Life Journey Church in Crozet, Virginia. We believe that the gospel really is good news, that the blood of Jesus worked, and that Jesus meant it when he said, it is finished. In Christ, we are dead to sin and alive to God, forgiven and free, clean and close, holy and beloved, blessed and made new. If God is doing something special in your life, we would love for you to tell us about it. You can simply email us at info at lifejourneyva.com. One of the reasons we are able to provide these weekly podcasts is because of the generosity of people like you. If you would like to support the proclamation of the gospel of the grace of God, you can make a donation now on our website, lifejourneyva.com. Amen. Awesome. Well, let's uh, jump straight in. Um, the, again, Christian gymnastics, court, contorting scripture to say what it really isn't and doesn't say. And, and as I said earlier in our meeting this morning, I just believe uh, that if we're going to believe something, if we're going to do something, if we're going to hold to something, let's at least have the courage to know why we hold to something or, or do something or, or, you know, uh, practice something. Uh, in the first week, just for, you know, just quick little, you know, this is where we've been. These are all on the podcast. Uh, if you want to listen to a huge shout out to Ryan for getting all this stuff on the podcast. Uh, we looked at first John one nine we looked at the Lord's prayer week two, uh, versus new covenant forgiveness and and how the Lord's prayer is not for new covenant believers and uh, and if that raises a, a peak of interest I encourage you to go back to listen to that week three we looked at sanctification what that is is it a lifelong process of getting more and more holy if that is the case if it's a lifelong process of getting more and more holy somebody forgot to tell the apostles that because they wrote something completely different about sanctification. But today, when you hear people talk about sanctification, you hear this lifelong journey of practicing better holiness and getting more and more holy, etc. And that's just, uh, again, not what the apostles taught. Then I say last week, the, the, the last time we talked about this, we, did, um, we talked about baptism and, and how baptism is good, getting wet is good, but being placed into Jesus is everything. Uh, we talked about the history of baptism. We talked about some differences between the apostles. Peter said, repent and be baptized in order to get what? Forgiven. In order to get saved. In order to get forgiven. That's what he said in Acts 2. But then Paul says in 1 Corinthians, yeah, 1 Corinthians, he said, I'm glad Jesus didn't send me to baptize you. He sent me to preach the gospel to you. Well, that's, that's a different uh, uh, Mission, a different understanding, a different statement. Peter said, you got to get baptized to get saved. Paul says, Jesus didn't send me to baptize you, but to give you something gooder, the good news. That was a play on, bad play on word there. But anyways, uh, so we looked, we looked at that a couple of weeks ago. I encourage you to look at that in the podcast if that interests you. So now this week, we're going to look at the Lord's Supper. Like, okay, great. Well, what are you going to destroy for us with the Lord's Supper? You destroyed this concept of baptism. You destroyed this concept of sanctification. Now we're going to throw Lord's Supper under the table? No, that's, that's not my mission whatsoever. But I do have a, qu- a couple of questions about the Lord's Supper. Uh, first question is, how did it all start? What is it? What is the Lord's Supper? How did it begin? Like, what, what really, what is it? Not necessarily what it's become, but what, what is it? What is it in the scriptures? What was it that Jesus was doing with them? Then secondly, how did they practice it 
early on. Then third question we're going to ask and kind of quickly answer because it's not that important is how did it become what it is today? And then we're just going to uh, wrap up with the journey marker and, and, and head home. But what is the Lord's Supper? What, what really is it? Now, don't think about like if, if, if you're background and I know and I'm glad not everybody's background is my background and I'm glad for that I know uh, Eugene grew up as a Catholic Uh, I grew up as a Baptist Uh, there's several non-denominational grows up there's house church grow ups there's um, uh, different uh, Pentecostal grow ups there's a lot of different histories a lot of different backgrounds that we have and I'm glad we don't all have the same background uh, so I can't just assume that everybody's background and understanding or, or, or context of the Lord's Supper is the same as mine, but I, I, I will briefly share what uh, my context of the Lord's Supper always was. About once a quarter or so, I think it was scheduled quarterly, on a Sunday night meeting at our Baptist church, because you know, we don't take up the whole Sunday morning service for something like this, we would have at the end of the service a time for the lights kind of dim down a little bit. The organist or the pianist, whoever, started playing some somber music. And the pastor, whomever it was, as a child, it was my father. As a, an adult, it was a, you know, the pastor that I worked for before moving here. Uh, would begin to read some scriptures, some that we'll actually see on the screen this morning. And they would um, uh, usually uh, go through this litany of of preparing your heart in order to take the Lord's Supper, bringing your sins now before the mercy seat of God so that you won't face them one day at the Bema seat, the judgment seat. And so the Lord's Supper was a time of, it's time, it's a, it's a, it's a cleaning the slate process before you put the, and there was a little wafer, uh, very stale and, tasteless, uh, bad taste in your mouth wafer, bad aftertaste wafer, I guess that's the way I should say it, that was, that was passed by, and the deacons, and if you weren't a deacon, you weren't allowed to apparently pass this by, pass this stuff. And then a few minutes later, a little thumb, thimble, you know, little plastic thimbles comes through. For us, it was grape juice, it might be wine, you know, in the other groups, but we were the purists, you know. Um, comes through, and you drink that, and but before you do, the music would play, the organ would do its thing, and you would take time to search your heart for what? Sin. For disobedience. For rebellion. So that you could get what? Forgiven. To get clean so that you could take this wafer and take this uh, thimble of juice um, righteously and, and not unrighteously. Which... We'll look actually at the scripture that's used, you know, to justify that sort of thinking in a minute. And so as you're taking this, you know, you're, you're under uh, this thinking of, gosh, did I, did I get them all, Steve? Did I think of every single sin possible? Because I don't want this wafer and this thimble of juice to become like Ebola in my belly and like I fall asleep and fall out and get sick from it. Like, did I get them all? So a lot of people not wanting to get sick, not wanting to get, which again, we'll look at the scripture that supports that thought. They just let it pass by them. Let the cup pass from me. And so they would just not even take it. Cause like, I don't want to get sick. I don't want to die. I don't want to, you know, be ill from this. And so, uh, that was 
you know, um, then we would stand up and the pastor would say, well, when at the first Lord's Supper, they ended it with a hymn. So let's end with a hymn and we would sing a hymn uh, after being, you know, so tor- uh, uh, not tormented, but just, you know, worried about did I do everything right? Did I do the process okay? What did, am I all right? And so that's what my first 30 some odd years of this was. I, in fact, when we moved here, as, as you know, I didn't know the gospel when we moved here to start the church. When we had our first Lord's Supper here at the church, um, I took a whole Sunday morning meeting and I talked about the Lord's Supper and presented it as I just presented it to you from the perspective of you better search every inch of your heart, you know, yada, yada, yada. Everything that was just in the meat, I just parroted it out. I just a parrot, you know, just saying what was told to me because I didn't know better. So what I would like for us to do is take a few minutes, go back. What, what is it? What, how did they, what were they doing it with it? And then just come to a final sort of, this is where I'm at. We don't all have to be at the same place on this, but this is where I'm at. And we'll open up the floor for some talking, some discussion, some thoughts. So we're going to go to start off in Matthew chapter 26. This is where Jesus, if you remember from our time through the book of John, is at his last supper, the last meal with his disciples. This is the night of his arrest. It is they're having the Passover meal. Some uh, Jewish th- uh, historians think, no, it's not actually the Passover meal. It's actually the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, which are back to back. And so they're, they're, they're a lot of times just seen under this umbrella of the Passover meal. Regardless, they're having a big meal. It says while they were eating. Okay. So they're already having dinner. They're already eating a, a, a big meal. And Jesus took some time, as he would do all the time, when they were fishing, he would just start talking about fish. When they were walking through the grain fields, he would just sort of talk about the grain. When he, you follow? This is what he always did. It's beautiful. It's not that he was trying to come up with an illustration to talk about the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven, uh, the, the thing created, grain, fish, whatever the illustration parable he used, was created to reveal the kingdom of heaven. That's pretty awesome thought to me. While they were eating, Jesus took some bread. So if you want to know why bread was even a thing, why the thought of bread was in the mind of God from eternity past, I think this is why. He took some bread and after blessing, whether that means praying for it or or just uh, thanking the Lord for it, I'm not exactly sure. He broke it and he gave it to the disciples while they're eating. So they've got, you know, the whole like, you know, meal going on and he just starts breaking bread and hands it to them while they're while they're eating. This isn't something extra beforehand or extra afterwards. It certainly isn't monthly on a Sunday night. You know, they're just eating and he breaks some bread and he gives it to them and he says, take, eat. This is my body real quick. At the Passover, or and even the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which again are right next to each other, like a day separates them. The whole celebration, the whole festival, the whole celebration meal is a thankfulness to God for the Passover lowercase l lamb who was slaughtered back in Egypt. And Moses took the blood and he dipped the hyssop branch in it and he put it on the doors 
of all of the Israelites so that when God came through, he passed over those houses and didn't kill the firstborn in those homes. But when he came to a home where there was uh, not blood already applied to the door of the house, he went in and killed the firstborn of the home as a judgment, as a plague. And so every year they celebrate this passing over, this sacrifice that was made, the substitution that was made, that God's wrath didn't fall on me, it fell on that lamb that was broken and blood was poured out. So that's what they're they're celebrating God's deliverance via this Passover lowercase L-A-M-B, okay? The actual like sheep, lamb. Now Jesus says, take this as my body. They've been celebrating for hundreds of years, thousands of years, this lamb, this, this thing that God had done through Moses back in Egypt. Now Jesus is taking the time to, to say all of that shadow is come to fruition now in me as he continues to talk about. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he thanked God for this cup. He gave it to them saying, drink from it all of you. And then he says this, for this F-O-R, you got to love these F-O-Rs in scripture. It explains what's going on. For this is my blood. Now, before we keep reading, whose blood had they been for hundreds of years really celebrating or really thanking God for what? Whose blood? The lamb's blood, right? And that's cool. And they should, because that's what God set it up for. But that was all a shadow of a new blood that was going to come, another blood that was going to come. They didn't understand that. They didn't, that wasn't really clear through the prophets that, that this past, that the Messiah to come was going to die for the sins of the world. That was, there was certainly suffering, the suffering Messiah in Isaiah, what is that, 50 something? But the concept of death and resurrection of the Messiah, that certainly was not clear to the, to the Old Testament saints. And so Jesus is unveiling this. He is like pulling the, 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 um, the sheet off of what's under here, what's really underneath this pack. This is what this is all about. For this, this cup that has wine in it, this is my blood of the covenant. Now, this is the New American Standard. If you have King James Version, it will say this is my blood of the New Testament. If you have King James Version, the word testament, remember the word covenant, the word will, it's all the same Greek word, diatheke. It's the same word. When we say, you know, what's, uh, has your grandmother felt, you know, what does her will say after she died? You know, who, who gets the couch, you know, sort of a thing. What, what, what is the will? The testament, covenant, will. It's the same Greek word, diatheke, throughout, used throughout Scripture. Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews, uses this profusely to explain how this whole thing works. But Jesus says this is the blood of the covenant. King James says new co- covenant. My question to you, I guess I already answered it, sorry, is which covenant is Jesus talking about? Is he talking about the old covenant? This is the blood of the old covenant or is it the blood of the new covenant? Obviously, it's the what? The new. What was the blood of the old covenant? The blood of what and what? Bulls and goats. 
Yeah, Hebrews talks about that. It was sprinkled for the purification of the, the sacrifices in the temple, in the new temple, in the tabernacle. But Jesus is saying there's another blood. This is the blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for many for forgiveness of sins. Um, so, drink it. All, from it, all of you. So this is the, the beginning. This is the first ever bread and wine. Uh, I can't say first ever because um, uh, Melchizedek and Abraham. Melchizedek, back with, God, I can't chase this rabbit. I don't have time for it. But um, if you go back to Genesis, somebody can help me with the number if you want to. Uh, Abraham, after going to war, to, to set his nephew Lot free, he steals all the stuff from the people he fought with. He steals the loot. He's walking back, and a king named Melchizedek uh, comes to Abraham. And Melchizedek, who's a shadow, a picture of the Christ to come, gives Abraham, does anybody know? Two things bread and wine. Bread and wine. And Melchizedek uh, and Abraham gives a tenth of all the stolen produce, all the stolen goods. He gives a tenth of it to Melchizedek. And the writer of Hebrews picks up on that and says, see, the priesthood that came from the old covenant, from the loins of Abraham, there was Levi. Levi, the priesthood of the old covenant, was in the loins of Abraham. And even Abraham paid homage through giving 10% to Melchizedek. Therefore, whoever comes from Melchizedek from that priesthood is greater than the ones who come from the Levitical priesthood. And he says, Jesus comes from that priesthood. Not from that lineage, like biological, but from that priesthood, a greater priesthood. And so what's super cool is that giving of bread and wine that Melchizedek gives to Abraham. I think a foreshadow, a foreshadow of a foreshadow, because like the, the Passover stuff hadn't happened yet. Israel, Egypt hadn't happened yet. It's so cool when you see these layers of this foreshadowing laying out. And now here Jesus is giving saying that this bread and this wine, this bread that's broken, just like his body was broken on the cross, his blood that was shed, it is all a picture of me. And I don't think I have it up on the screen. I don't. But he says, take from it, drink this do in remembrance of what? Me. Me being Jesus. He's the one talking. In fact, on the communion table at the front of the Baptist church, what does it say? Carved in there. Really pretty. It says, this do in what? Remembrance of me. I mean, we said it right there. In remembrance of Jesus. Because that's what the festival, that's what the Passover had always been. It was in remembrance, a celebration. They were, they were in essence, I don't want to like, you know, take this too far. They were in essence toasting that Passover lamb, lowercase l, like, thank you, God. Thank you, lamb, for your sacrifice. Because of that, we're here today in the land of Israel. Uh, Israel, yeah, in the land of Israel. And so they were toasting. They were celebrating that land. They were remembering the lamb. And so now Jesus is saying, and do this from now on in remembrance of this lamb. Capital L, lamb, in remembrance of me. Okay? So a couple of quick thoughts. How did this whole thing start? with Jesus while they were eating. It was a full-fledged meal. 
It was not a wafer and a thimble. It was, it, not only was it a full meal, but as I've been talking about, it was the Passover celebration, or as other uh, uh, Jewish scholars say, it was a, the festival of the unleavened bread. Either way, it was this celebration. It was not a somber scene of remembering their, the sins of their forefathers that then resulted in the, their slavery in Egypt. The Passover was a celebration of God and God's uh, victory through this Passover lamb, lowercase l, that he provided through Moses to free them from slavery. If you go back and read that, it, there is such specific uh, details required for the lamb, the Passover lamb. And all eyes were on the lamb. Are there any defects in this lamb? Are there any spots, any wrinkles, any blemishes, any, you know, limps, any, you know, deformed hips? Is there any problem with this lamb? Because the lamb had to be what? Perfect. So all eyes were on the what? Lamb. Of those forefathers who, who celebrated Passover for all these years, during that time of selecting a perfect lamb, were their eyes ever to be on them? No, because the whole point of the lamb is you can't do it. You can't set yourself free. So I'm going to provide someone to set you free. And then th with that, it was a lowercase l lamb. At the Passover meal and the festival of unleavened bread, they would eat the meat, eat the bread in celebration of the lamb. They would drink the wine It's a celebration, a toast, if you will, to the lamb who was slain to provide their freedom. And now here Jesus is saying that the time has come for that celebration of what happened hundreds of years prior to be now updated. The full revelation has now come and it's a celebration of God's Passover lamb, capital L, who would take away the sin of the, of the world, my blood, my body, the blood of the covenant, the new covenant. And when does the new covenant go into effect? The death of Jesus. Hebrews so clear. The death of Jesus. The New Testament began, the new will, the new covenant began at the death of Jesus. It was the forgiveness of sins. And so get this. If, if we go no further, which we're going to go further, we're going to look at 1 Corinthians. But if we go no further, here's what we know. Jesus is saying, as we're eating, for them it was a big Passover festival. He sent, we, 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 can, we can eat bread, we can drink wine. And as we eat bread and drink wine during a meal, we celebrate something. What are we celebrating? What are we remembering? What are we memorializing? Are we memorializing what we've done? Is that what he just got done talking about? We memorialize what? What he's done. That's the big deal. That's the big deal. We memorialize, we celebrate, we remember what he's done. Not what we've done. He knows what we've done. That's why he did what he did. Because of what we've done. Do this in remembrance of me. So how did they do this early on? How did it get started? Did they do it perfectly early on? Well, they, they, they didn't. They had some struggles. And we're not going to go at this in depth because it's getting late already. But I encourage you to read 1 Corinthians, the whole chapter 11. We're just going to hit some highlights here. But in Corinth, remember Corinth is a very wicked pagan city. With uh, There were struggles of, of, of getting the people to... Uh, believe the truth about Christ in them. And so he's writing them uh, no, numerous letters. They're writing him letters. 
with questions. He's writing them letters. You can tell that because he says, now in regards to fill in the blank, marriage, chapter seven. Uh, now in regards to, and then, you know, whatever it was, he's reminding them back from a letter, obviously, that they wrote him. And so it's a two-way conversation, and we only have, you know, one, one side of it. So we have to keep that in context. But he, he starts talking now about the Lord's Supper, what they were doing in a very pagan culture. And he's giving them instruction because they're used to these crazy um, feasts. Uh, there's a few younger ears, but, you know, you can just, I'll just leave it at that. These crazy feasts. All right. And 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 there was some of that influence go, going on. OK. And so he wants to set some things straight. He says, I do not praise you in this because you come together not for the better, but you come together for the worse in this. For the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that divisions exist among you. And in part, I believe it. I believe their division. He already in chapter one talked about a division between two ladies in the church, Sithiki and you know some other lady. And he says, for there must also be factions among you. This word faction sounds like division in our language, but factions, this word faction is actually the word that we get our English word heretics from, heresy from. Heresy, heretic, it's from this exact word that's translated here in English, factions. All right. But if a, a heretic is simply someone who causes you to go a different direc direction, causing you to make a choice about something, causing you to go in a different direction from, you know, what was set out for. And so he's saying there's, there's heresy, there's heretics. There are people who are missing the boat here. That those who are approved may become evident among you. So there's, there's heretics, he's saying, in the group. Therefore, when you meet, it's not to eat the Lord's Supper, you guys aren't really coming together to celebrate what the Lord has done, to eat, to eat the Lord's Supper. When, for in your eating, each one takes his own supper first. Like you, you come together and you're not really celebrating the Lord. You come to make sure you, get, you eat first, that your belly gets full first. And one is hungry so because you ate all the food first. And another shows up, what? Drunk. I mean, you're showing up to the Lord's Supper drunk. Now, could that ever happen at the church I grew up with? No, because first of all, it was what? Grape juice. I got stories of friends who always volunteered to be like the ushers on communion night because they, at different churches, like uh, liturgical churches, because they use wine, they always had to do, you know, cleanup, you know, and so they would, you know, help with the cleanup, you know, afterwards. But he's saying here, you're showing up drunk to what you're calling the Lord's Supper. If, if Matthew, if the book of Matthew was written at this point and circulated, I could easily hear Paul say, just go read what happened in Matthew. But see, they didn't have that circulation like we have now. You guys are showing up drunk, not in the right spirit, to celebrate what Jesus has done for you. Like, this isn't, this isn't proper. This isn't the way of it. He says, what, do you not have houses in which to eat and get drunk? Do you not have houses to, to, to experience gluttony and drunkenness? Now, does he encourage gluttony? Is he encouraging drunkenness? I don't think so. I think he's just simply saying, you have, 
this, that's not the point of this. This is for a celebration of what Jesus did, not for you to get in line first, to eat all the food first so that people are hungry and to show up drunk for crying out loud. Or you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing because there was an economic uh, disp- uh, 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 gap in, the, in, in Corinth. I mean, in any church, but certainly in Corinth. Phrygian slaves were uh, the a big part of the church and, the, the, and they had nothing. And so you had the more wealthy who could show up and have more to eat, but they would eat separate. Paul is harping on the fact you guys are not unified as a body in this. You're letting your economic status dictate who eats first and, and who doesn't get to eat. And this isn't the unifying element of celebration of what Jesus has done, the Lord's Supper. What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? I will not praise you in this. I'm not going to say, boy, keep it up. For, I love it, remember the FORs, I receive from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. Meaning, what I've already told you about this, I received from the Lord, I'm going to tell it to you again. That the night the Lord Jesus, which he was betrayed, he took bread. We just read this. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Big deal there. Me, not, not you. The same way he also took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant. See, Paul clarifies that he, he understands it completely that the cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it. What is the it? As often as you drink this particular cup at this particular meal at this particular meeting, maybe, but it might be as often as you drink it, the cup, as often as you drink, as often as you eat bread, remember, remember him. I mean, do you really read the New Testament and think that, okay, I'm not eating a bread, I'm not eating, drinking a cup uh, at a service, so therefore, you know, I really probably shouldn't bother with remembering what the Lord has done? I don't, I don't. I hear Paul saying, remember, every time you drink, every time you eat, every time, remember what he's done. And so in remembrance of me. Verse 26, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he returns, until he comes. And that's fantastic. And I'm not going to get into it. But is it simply the Lord's death that we celebrate? The gospel is not simply the Lord's death. But the gospel is, as Paul says, even more so his what? Resurrection. Because we, the world is forgiven of sins by his death, but we are saved by his what? Romans 5, by his life. It's his life within us that saves us, not the elimination of sins. That's not what saves us, but his life within us is what saves us. And so the Lord's Supper is proclaiming his death, what he's done to forgive the world of sin. Verse 27, therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the blood and the body of the Lord. Okay, now this is the verses that were used when I was younger to like, really, are you, is your heart worthy? Are you in a worthy manner? Are you doing this in a word? Have you gotten all your sins confessed? Are your sins forgiven, etc.? And so I want to pause and say, okay, what does this mean? Unworthy manner. We could just stop right here and we could come up with all of our own conclusions. What does unworthy manner mean to you? 
And oh, this is what it means. What does it mean to you? Oh, well, this is what it means. Well, I don't really care about, no offense, what you think unworthy manner means or what I think it means. What is he saying? So let's keep reading. An unworthy manner. But a man must examine himself. Okay? And in so doing, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Once he's examined, what is he examining for? What's the examination about? What should he be examining? I ask you, what is he examining? You tell me. This is why I think you should examine. Again, same thing with the worthily manner. We can have all great ideas of what we should be examining, what test we should be doing. But I'm really interested in, in the context of what he's saying, not just stopping right here and saying this is the conclusion. For he who eats and drinks, uh, eats and drinks judgment to himself if he does not judge the body rightly. So who is the one doing the judgment if he does not judge the body rightly? Who's the judger? Himself. Yeah. So we, we see this big judge word, like, oh, the judgment, the judgment. And Paul's saying, look, you need to judge your own self, but whether you're in a worthy manner, whether you examine, are you in a worthy manner? You're the judge. But again, what is the manner? What is the worthy manner? Let's keep reading. Verse 30. For this reason, many among you are weak and sick and a number sleep. This is what was always read. You better confess all your sins or you're going to get weak sleep. This, you know, orange, uh, grape juice will become, you know, a potion and it'll hurt you. You know, all that sort of never said like that. But that was certainly always as a kid, you know, like what's in this thing, you know. But Paul is saying this is a reason why many of you are sick and sleep and fall in, in, in um, a weak, sick and fall asleep. Well, what is the context? What, is, what, is he, what has he already described about the people? They are showing up, eating all the food, and there are some showing up what? Already what? Drunk. Already intoxicated. If you're really clueless as to why in the middle of the meetings people are falling asleep, and why they're ill and people are throwing up in the back, sick, here's a clue. You're filling your stomach with food and you're showing up drunk. Hey, anybody ever been to college? You know that that's not a good combination. Your testimony, I love it. Uh, your testimony about your, 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 uh, your um, roommates. roommates. The one roommate, Walt, I remember him. He's a good guy. Who really was, to me, an example of Christ to a person totally undeserving and I couldn't figure it out. But his roommate, one roommate, would help hold the hair of the other roommate who's barfing in the toilet after party, and then he would ridicule the roommate. You know, why would you, you know, you Jesus free, you know, all this sort of stuff. And he would keep loving him and keep serving him. But we've, we've seen what belly full of food and, and intoxication, and I think that's what Paul, you're weak and sick and falling asleep during your meeting because of, again, their context. You're, you're stuffing yourself, you're porking yourself, and you're showing up drunk. Then, if we, if we judged ourselves rightly, if we really saw the true heart of what we're doing or who we are, we would not be judged. Again, who is the judger? If we judged, we universally, who, whomever. Not yet, not yet have we got to cosmic God of the universe looking into your heart to see if there's any unconfessed sin and he's judging you. Judgment so far in this context has all been we examining ourselves, we judging ourselves, but we still haven't figured out the for what. We still haven't figured out what is this worthy manner. So we'll keep reading. But when we are judged, 
By whom? It could be by ourselves. We're judged by others. We could even put God into this category. When we are judged, we are disciplined by the Lord. Here we go. This is so big. Don't miss this. So that we will not be condemned along with the rest of the world. So get this. Whatever this faction is, these heretics, whatever this division is, whatever this behavior is, the unworthy manner, if they continue in this unworthy manner, the consequence is condemnation along with the rest of the world. Now we know from Paul's clear letters that there is only one group of humanity that will be condemned along with the rest of the world. What is that group called? Unbelievers. Unbelievers. Those who are not born of his spirit. At any point in the clear writings of Paul, does he ever even hint that a born-again believer runs the risk of being condemned with the rest of the world? Nowhere. And so, in my opinion, if you don't come and read all the way here through to the end to see that the threat is condemnation, the threat is hellfire brimstone, the threat is, as Jesus says in John three sixteen, perishing. That's the consequence. When we see that's the, quote, threat, I go back and reread the entire chapter with that understanding of the ultimate consequence is condemnation. I believe there's people in the fellowship that are projecting that they are born of the Spirit, but the reality is they are not. And he said, you guys better figure this out. Examine yourself whether or not you are truly in the faith, whether or not you are truly born of His Spirit. Otherwise, you're making a mockery of this thing, mockery of this death. You're proclaiming His death but you don't even believe in the death. You're just making this a social event to make sure that you're accepted. You're showing up drunk. You're filling your bellies. You're falling asleep, getting sick in the middle of the meetings. Because examine yourselves. Because the reality is going to hit one day that all of this religious activity that you're doing is just going to result in the the condemnation of your soul along with the rest of the world. So for me, and I could be dead wrong on this, and if we have issues with this, we can talk about it, but we're still... good in the fellowship at least I believe Paul is definitely talking about those who do not believe that's the examination examine yourself for whether or not you are in the faith whether or not you believe because he calls them heretics the English is factions but the Greek is the word we get heretic from those who are leading people away from the truth heretic and if you don't Examine if you don't get disciplined, corrected, trained by the Lord, if this doesn't result in your salvation, the consequence is going to be condemnation along with the rest of the world. So either Paul says all believers are born, who are born of the Spirit are inherit the kingdom of heaven, inherit God, and unbelievers are condemned, which is the way I certainly understand it, or Paul is saying all believers who eat a wafer and drink a thimble with a all their sins confessed inherit God and anyone who doesn't is condemned because that's the only options and I'm just I guess foolish enough to think there's no way that Paul is going to say this two different things and he's already called even the, the Corinthians 
those who believe. He calls them saints. Not, that, not because their behavior is right, but because their faith is right. But there are some among them that are heretics, that are leading them astray. And so, uh, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. Like, this is a celebration. Don't, when people come up to celebrate the death of Jesus through this meal that you're about to take, you shouldn't have a whole group over here that's already eaten and they're kind of in their own clique and the rest show up and like, uh, what the heck, did we miss the celebration? Did we miss the party? If anyone is hungry, I mean, if you're really about to starve and you can't wait to everybody else, eat a little snack at home before you come. I mean, this is the practical writing of Paul. Eat a little snack. Eat a little Debbie. You'll be all right. So that you will not to come together for judgment. The remaining matters I will arrange when I come. So it's very hard for us to develop any sort of major theology off of, I think, this letter to the Corinthians because we don't even really know what the questions were that they were asking him. But so many people have used this passage to communicate, is your heart right, Christian, before you take this wafer and eat, drink this thimble? And I just don't see that happening at, at all. Your heart is made right. Paul says in Romans chapter 6 or 5, your heart is made right. Your heart is made obedient by a new birth, not by doing something before you eat a, a, a wafer. But again, even in Corinth, the grand co context of this Lord's Supper is a meal. It, it, it's not a quick little add-on where deacons pass a plate and you take a little thing off. It's a meal. It's as off as you do, as regular as you want, as often as you eat, I hear him saying, remember the Lord's body. So how did this become to what it is today? Um, today, I would say that uh, this thing of the Lord's Supper is considered a sacrament in the local church, whether you, you say Catholic or not Catholic, still some sort of sacrament in the local church as an act of obedience, meaning by doing this, I'm a little bit gooder with God. The good news only got me so far, but by doing this, I'm a little gooder. Now, now I'm not saying that's everybody's opinion, okay? I'm saying painting a very broad brushstroke by doing this event, doing these things. But in, in most scenarios, I would say, though I've not done a scientific study, it's done in remembrance of your sins, not in remembrance of Jesus' sacrifice. Typically, again, very broad stroke, there's no meal involved. It's just a wafer and a thimble. It's a quick little add-on to the end of a, a, a service. Typically, it's a religious activity with no attachment to the original origin of what was happening, a celebration of Jesus's work, a toast, if you will, to his work on the cross, which if you think about it, it's kind of ironic that the Lord's Supper has become a remembrance of my sin when it was originally a celebration of him taking away sin. It's kind of ironic. But the devil works in strange ways in that sense. Now, is that the only way it's viewed today? Is there no one else in the entire planet that views and does the Lord's Supper in a proper manner? I'm not saying that at all. I'm certain there are. I'm just saying 
generally speaking, my exposure, whether it be a, a higher high church liturgical church where they do the Lord's Supper every single Sunday or whether it be, you know, like a low church, if you will, you know, where it's uh, much more um, uh, uh, like, uh, like my upbringing. It, it generally speaking, it is no connection to what truly was meant at the beginning. So where do we go from here? Do we throw away this whole concept of the Lord's Supper? Jesus instituted, he, he, he did this thing. He says, as often as you do, remember me. Do we just throw it all away because it's been hijacked over the last 2,000 years by religion? Do we just toss it away and say, let's don't even worry with it? Here's where I'm at, okay? You might not be where I'm at, and that's totally fine. I think this is one of those cool things where we can just be all over the place on this thing. But there's an underlying denominator that should be common. Here's where I'm at. Whenever you do this, do this in remembrance of me. That's where I'm at. Okay. What is this? If we want to get all grammatical, what's the antecedent to the demonstrative pronoun this? What is this? Is this a little add-on service at the end of the meeting? If that is this for you, then do this in remembrance of him. I would say life. Life. When you do life, do it in remembrance of him. If that's Bob's this, then do it in remembrance of him. We've had several um, times where we've had meals in homes where we centered around the, the, we call it the covenant meal. If that's the this, we invite friends over, you have people come over to the house, you share testimony, you share encouragement about what Jesus has done and his forgiveness of your sins and your new life in him. If that's the this, do this, do that in remembrance of him. So what I'm getting at is whether or not we had a table up here with the inscription on the front and all the deacons come and serve, that doesn't, I, I could, that doesn't, the, the medium to me, and I could be wrong on this, but the medium, how it's done is really inconsequential to me, to me. I'm not saying it should be to you, but what I am saying is whatever the, this is, however it's done, however you do this, however you define this, do this in remembrance of him, of his work. So I think, personally, we could have extremely significant and, 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 and worshipful wafers and thimbles. I don't think the wafers and thimbles is, a big, is the problem, is the issue. We could have significant uh, back corner at Denny's with just your family. And you're eating and you're passing around bread in a cup in remembrance of him. See, the this doesn't matter to me. It's the remembrance of him, whatever the this is. None of us, if the this is the Passover meal, how many of you, besides Steve, have participated in a Passover meal? Maybe one, maybe two. Okay, so as often as you participate in a Passover meal, if that's the this, then participate in the Passover meal in remembrance of him. You see that? So the, the this is the part that I think is, is immaterial in a certain sense. It's the remembrance of him that is the big deal. Um, so for me, the, this is bread and wine. It's eating, it's drinking. It's eating a meal for me. 
How often do I eat? Typically, three times a day, plus or minus. So I'm not suggesting at each meal, and I'm not suggesting honestly anything for you other than whatever you do, do it in remembrance of Him. That's what I'm suggesting. But for me, I'm not suggesting that I try to turn a meal into a religious experience. But as I eat, as I drink, it is an opportunity for me to remember him. I, I, I remember how he is the meal. He's the bread from heaven. He's the manna, as he talks about. He's the limitless supply of food, of new nutrition, sustenance for our very soul. He is what fills my cup. He is what fills the belly, if you will, of my soul. He is what fills me, my spirit. He is what fills. So as I, whether eat a cheeseburger from the Sizzler or, you know, M&M cereal at my mother-in-law's, it's a thing. (laughs) I can do this, whatever it is, in remembrance and in gratitude and in thankfulness to him, for him. Does that mean that we shouldn't, again, ever have wafers and thimbles? That's not what I'm saying. It, it, that's not the problem. That's not the issue. It's the mindset that's the issue. And that's what our journey marker, in essence, says this morning. Whenever, however we, quote, do this, however that looks, we, and I'll, I'll throw a must. This is the, I hear what Paul is really getting at. We must do this in remembrance of what he did, not in remembrance of what you do or what you've done, what you did. It's remembrance of what he did. We can, we're very good at getting hung up on the means, the mode, how we do it, where we totally lose the reason why we do it. So I didn't but if I came this morning and we passed out some cups and some th- wafers, we could right now in remembrance of him. But you know what? As you leave here, wherever you're going for lunch, wherever you're going to take my family to lunch this afternoon. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we, you can for lunch this afternoon as you fill your belly with food. You remember him. You remember what he did for you. Not in a religious service, but in a daily dependence upon him. That makes sense. So I'm not against wafers. Don't, don't, don't hear that. I'm against the wrong mindset about whatever the situation, whatever the service ceremony or what, whatever it is. And you can even be in a service where they don't get it, but you do. You can celebrate. You can thank the Lord for what he has done. When everybody else is listening to the organ playing the somber music and the preacher's telling them to confess all their sins or else they're going to die, you know better. You can celebrate what he did. He died so that you would not. Amen? Thoughts though? Questions? This might be a very touchy subject because the Lord's Supper might be a very dear and near thing. Uh, Just like the Lord's Prayer is for some, like baptism is for others. Uh, Some, I know like Eugene and Mary Rose in the group of the Catholic Church or or High Church, it was every Sunday. And, And by the way, I think it's changed now, but in the Catholic Church, the commoners weren't even allowed to actually drink the wine. You could just take the bread. And it wasn't until recently that you could actually do the wine again because 
I don't know what the cause was, but it was just something. Um, but that's not it for me. For me, it's remembering him. However we do it, whatever the this is, we remember him. But any questions or thoughts yet? David? Yeah, I'm going to share a little bit from our experience. And before I do, I just want to say, I don't think you ever, I don't think there's a formula for church as to like how every, like everybody should do it one way. Um, but I think one unique experience we bring to this fellowship is our time in a house church uh, in our hometown. And really in that setting, I would say the emphasis of the gathering on a Sunday morning was the Lord's table. So it was an act of worship. It was an act of celebration in the same way that we would sing a song, in the same way that a brother would be teaching. Um, and so it, it was absolutely focused on the Lord. And, and yeah. let's do this in remembrance of him. I mean, I, I would very much say it was in the same spirit of, yeah. of singing a worship song. It wasn't this very cool. All right, let me take something, you know, self-flagellate. And try to create yeah, myself. right, yeah. Um, I just found that to be one of the, the most precious times of the week, right? Because as much as I would have loved to have gotten together with those other saints on a regular basis and have dinner, it just doesn't know. It rarely happens, right. I would say. I mean, it's a challenge to get the six of us at the dinner table <laughs> right. um, and it'd be calm enough <laughs> that we can do anything other than eat. And, um, you know, it was just really cool. And, you know, it wasn't perfect. I mean, by no means was it perfect. You know, we, uh, we had um, unleavened bread. So every Sunday morning, so the ladies would wake up and they, they had this recipe for unleavened bread and it was delicious. I mean, yeah. it was absolutely delicious. Um, and you know, the un, it's unleavened bread because leaven represents sin in the scripture. It says unleavened, just as our Lord is, is without sin, the bread is without sin. Right. And they pressed, um, they used something to indent the, the bread so that it would break into fairly even pieces. And then, you know, that represents the stripes. Mm -hmm. when Jesus was, was whipped and beaten. Um, yeah, and we took grape juice, and that, mm -hmm. that was the thing. You know, like a lot of a lot of folks said, you know, the scriptures are clear. It's one. It's not grape mm -hmm. juice. So that's what I mean when I say it wasn't perfect, right? I mean, there was still like a little bit in the background. People were like, "Hey, why aren't we doing it one way or the other?" Mm -hmm. um, and yet, I did just find so much communion. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. with, with each other, but also with the Lord, and this this sacrament, but in a sacrament that truly was um, meant to be worship. Yeah. And, um, so anyway, that's, yeah. that's one of our experiences with it. I mean, I, I say that not in, as a rebuttal to what you said. No. I agree with everything no, you said. I, I, don't, I certainly don't take it that way. I take it as that was the this. That's how you guys were yeah. doing it. And, and the focus was on what Jesus did. Yeah. yeah. Um, for that matter, let's say a group did a full meal. Yeah. They did a full meal, but the mindset was get your sins right. Like, then it's wrong. No, 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 thanks. Yeah. Right? I, that's not it. So it's, again, the mode to me, right. how the this is, is not the is is uh, not the deal. Yeah. It's the it's the 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 mindset of what is because um, again, if you take it by the letter of the words, he's. 
He's probably, I don't even know. He doesn't really say what this, like, what is the, this, like, like Jesus, what is the, we, we just kind of determine it for ourselves through church history and, 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 you know, cultures and whatnot. But it could, like I hinted at a second ago, it could be very, um, you could build an argument that the, this is the Passover meal or the, the unleavened bread festival, which again, they're the back to back days. And so there's a discrepancy about which it actually was in the scripture. Was it the Passover meal that they were doing or the Feast of Unleavened Bread? But regardless, um, they, is that the this, you know? And so, well, we're, we get so wrapped up in, oh, did you get dunked three times? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? Did you just dunk once? You know, there's so many ways to get hung up on the, the processes that we actually lose focus on the what, the, the meat, the true essence of what this is really all about. Yes, Steve. But thanks for that word. That's very yeah. encouraging. Yeah. Well, the good news is April just told me that um, that her parents decided they wanted the other bathroom covered. <laughs> and she'd only take 161 hours. Yeah. But you can have this week off. <laughs> thanks. So you did all right. Okay. Thanks. Is that it? Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Jim? I just, very brief. I think it's funny how we as humans read this great book, this great promise, and we take from it ritual rather than the grace, the, yeah. the relationship. Yeah. And the, the fact that it's so free, but we don't want it to be that way. We yeah. continually try to make it more. And I remember in my car in Fort Lauderdale driving around listening to this sermon where they talked about, you know, when you move into the the, the ceremony of uh, of uh, the, the uh, breaking of the bread and drinking mm. the wine, you darn well better sure be admitting everything you did, or you could be eternally yeah uh, you know face eternal consequences. Yeah, it scares you. Oh yeah. You're like, man, did I do something wrong? Yeah. I was kind of snarky with my wife. <laughs> right. I don't know if that counts. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so it just, it's, it's just amazing how we try to make it so much harder than it really is. And yeah. I've never done it that way. Yeah. And the, again, the irony is, like I said earlier, I, I knew many. See, I was too, I was too self-righteous. I would never let the, the plate pass me. I would always take it because if I let it pass me, then other would look at me and say, oh, well, something's wrong, wrong with him, you know. So I would rather face the eternal condemnation than, you know, somebody looking at me, you know, and right? I mean, so, but my point is, here's the irony of it all. The celebration of the finished work of Christ, of the taking away of sins, I'm now not celebrating. You see that? That's what religion does. I'm not going to celebrate the finished work of Christ, the taking away of the sins, because I've been told that unless I get all of my sins taken care of, I can't eat this. I can't drink this. And it's just, it's just very, uh, I go as far as to say, I mean, I don't tend, intend to make, you know, make enemies with this statement, but it's, it's demonic, you know, the mindset. It's demonic of you need to do something that Jesus already did. It's, um, it leads to, you know, the term religion actually means to be bound up again. It comes from Latin, meaning to be bound again. Well, yes, sir. I was kind of going through some humors, which a lot of it did have about Melchizedek, Melchizedek mm-hmm. and about Jesus being um, 
a priesthood after that. But in um, Hebrews 1, I really like this. It says, uh, And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature, uh-huh. God, and upholds all things by the word of his power. And this part here, When he had made purification of sins, he, he sat, sat down, down. The right hand of the majesty on high. Amen. So, yeah. there's no need about getting my heart. He already did it. Yeah. It's done. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, I cannot agree with you more. I mean, it's black and white. Now, does it mean that we can't talk to God about our sins, our struggles? That we can't talk to God about, look, you know, this is happening? Of, of course not. That God, a believer in, but it's not a now I'm forgiven because I talked to you about it. Yeah. I mean, it, it, there was one passage in there that did puzzle me because it talked about it was talking about falling away in one mm-hmm. of the chapters. Yep, chapter six. So, yep. But at the same time Jesus said those who are mine will never be right. snatched from my hand. Right. So not to chase a long rabbit trail here, but but who is the letter of the Hebrews being written to? <coughs> Hebrews, the Jews. And they were coming out of okay, so imagine this visually. They're coming out of the law going towards grace to fall away from grace what are you falling into the law law. and so the mindset on the law is a falling away from grace so you've fallen away if you go back into the temple system he talks about how some of you have tasted but have they swallowed some you were there some of you were there at Pentecost you saw it, but you, you were saying they were drunk. But had, so I think there's a de- delineation. I could be wrong between in that scenario, tasting, you've tasted it. You, you, you've got a taste of it. But if you continue to go back to the law, then it's clear you didn't ingest it, if that makes sense. In fact, that might be one of our weeks on this Christian Hebrews chapter 6. So that's a good one. Because that's used by many denominations to teach that you can lose your salvation if you do enough sinning. Satan is the that's right. And he will always accuse Christians to yes. make you doubt. Yes. You know? Yeah. But Jesus perfected us. Yeah. That's right. Are we going to believe it or not? Any other thoughts? Oh, yeah. Really, this this, um, teaching this morning was really excited my spirit. Amen. And I think it had to do with what I was delivered from the Mm. Amish and how we did it twice a year and all of that. Um, But I have found, and I just want to share an experience. Years ago, our youngest son, David, one evening suggested to to us uh, about taking a bottle of wine and, and bread and going up on this thousand foot trail, mm-hmm. not the humpback rocks, the other mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. trail, and, and just remember the Lord. Yeah. And and so we did that, and as we were walking up, we noticed there was somebody else up there, and we are kind of, uh, you know, mm-hmm. do you want to do this, and that, uh, make mm-hmm. offensive. Well, to, when we got up there, there was another couple and their daughter that we knew. Huh. And and we told them, you know, mm-hmm. this was our intent. We wanted to come up here, mm-hmm. come with the Lord, we put bread and wine, and would you want to join us? Yeah. And we didn't ask them now, you know, have you forgiven, have you <laughs> right, yeah. confessed all your sins? Like <laughs> and anyway, so we did, and it was really, it was, a, it was a wonderful experience. And to add to that, and I'm not sure, you know, but about this, but anyway, so I met 
Steve was his name, at the feed store one day, and I said, you know, Steve, I remember that day, you know, when we were up there, and we, when we remembered the Lord mm -hmm. together, and he said, you know, that made such an impression on me. He said, when I die, I want my ashes to be taken up there and thrown out. Hmm. Over there. Wow. Wow, really. Yeah. Anyway, so he has passed away. Yeah. And, and his daughter that was up there, she said, yeah, tomorrow we're going to go up. Wow. And I just thought, wow, that is How about crazy. that? Yeah, that really is cool. Yeah, awesome. Thanks for sharing that. You say something, Leslie? Yeah, um, a lot of the Bible, of course, it all directs to Jesus, right? And it's a foreshadowing. Mm -hmm. And when he's sitting there at the meal, mm -hmm. he says, this is the bread I bring mm -hmm. you. It's a foreshadowing in some aspects of physical food gives us physical life. Yes. Where Christ gives us eternal life. Exactly. It's like, remember me yeah. when you do this. Yes. Eat, yeah, right? right, yeah. So a lot of times when he's talking, he's... He's talking in not riddles, but parables. Right. Yeah. He's, he's telling us, but not telling us. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're exactly right. I think that's exactly right. Um, and that's certainly how I take it. And again, I, I don't want to make it sound like that's the only way that this should be interpreted. You know. Um, but ultimately, however, that this is, whether it's meat, eating every meal, whether it's two times a year at, at, with Amish, even. If it's a remembrance of him, and not of you, and your sins, your past, but it's a remembrance of him, then I, I can sell, I can, I can go with that. Cool. Yeah. Got an off the wall question. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there are a lot of commandments in the Bible. You take like First Corinthians twenty-five and twenty-six, and there are others, and that's why we say the blessing. Of you know, that might be, but and that's that's a great question. Um, I don't know, but that I, I thought that same thing as I was working on this. Like, I wonder if that's how this has become that, you know, which I'm not opposed to that, you know, uh, but I had friends in college who um, they were convinced that if you prayed over a meal, you couldn't get sick from it. I don't know where they got, I don't know what they got that from, but that was, they were convinced of it. Yeah, I know. All right. It's, um, Cause it's now, I, you know, I'm not trying to ridicule. I'm just like, I wouldn't take it that far, you know, but certainly we can give thanks, uh, just period, whether it's the meal, whether it's, you know, clothing, whether it's walking out, we, we, we don't, uh, we lose sight, I do, of just how much he's given us, and he doesn't have to give us anything more than he's already given us, and we are so blessed, even if we lose everything materialistically, which I'm not, like, signing up for, we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. God is not waiting for us to do something for him, for him to then bless us. It's not the gospel. He has given us himself fully. And now we get to discover what we have and who we have daily. Awesome. Any other thoughts? Is that a hand? No? Oh, there's a yawn. Falling asleep, showing up drunk, I guess. <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, let's stand and we close with a word of prayer. Love you guys. Hopefully this is encouraging. Um, and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll take a look at uh, some more of these things and, and see how it goes. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that your word is true. And I don't simply mean Genesis to Revelation, but your word, your, the utterance from your mouth, from your heart, it is reality. And everything will be judged by 
by the standard of you. And this good news is that we are now in you and you are now in us. The reality in this world is that we stumble in many ways, as James says, but we know that even without reading James, that we stumble in many ways. But you have taken away, as Bob so beautifully read of Hebrews 1, made a ending of sin and you've sat down, meaning the work's done. You sat down. There was no sitting down by the priests in the old covenant. There were no chairs in the temple because there was always work to be done. There was always blood to be shed. There was always sins to be covered. But you have by one sacrifice have taken away sins once and for all. And now you took a seat because you're done. We celebrate that. However we do it, whether it's weekly with wafers and thimbles, whether it's three times a day over meals, however it's done, we celebrate you. We remember you and what you've done for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Love you guys. Have a great week. Thank you again for listening to today's podcast of the teaching at Life Journey Church in Crozet, Virginia. We'd love to hear from you. If God is doing something special in your life, let us know by sending an email to info at lifejourneyva.com. Feel free to pass today's teaching on to any friends and family that you'd like, but please don't change any of it or charge for it. This podcast is made available for free as a ministry of Life Journey Church. If you would like to support the proclamation of the gospel of the grace of God, you can make a donation now on our website, lifejourneyva.com. Have a great day.